Well, the same God in AD 2020 is the same God in AD 2021. Amen? So the story ain't over. New year, but same God. Just another trip around the sun. Turning your Bibles to chapter 22 of Genesis. Our notes are in the bulletin. If you don't have your Bible or you don't have one on your phone, you can slip out to the round table or the table at the rear entrance and grab a bulletin and uh, have access to the notes. Now it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Indeed, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor, Buzz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Kised, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begot Rebekah. These eight Milcah bought at Nahor, Abraham's brother. His concubine, whose name was Rumah, also bought Teba, Gaham, Phahash, and Maacah. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is, Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. <laughs> then Abraham stood up before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth. I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, Hear us, my lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Then Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them. If it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and meet with Ephron the son of Zohar for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price, as property, for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth, all who entered at the gate of his city. No, my lord, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land. And he spoke to Ephraim in the hearing of the people of the land. If you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, My lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. And Abraham listened to Ephron. And Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So the field of Ephron which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field, which were within all the surrounding borders, were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah his wife 
in the cave of the field of Machpelah, before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. Not an exciting story, but part of the story. Who knows that roots are very important? That our faith didn't just come out of some hole in the ground somewhere, but it goes all the way back to Adam. It can be traced. And so our text today begins with Abraham getting a report from his family on the other side of the Euphrates. God had called him to leave them and go to a land that he would give his descendants where he would make his family a mighty people. Now he's a very old man and only has one son of promise with his wife, Sarah, who has died. He gets a report from his family. His brother has eight sons, the youngest of whom has a couple kids, Laban and Rebekah. So this youngest son is Bethuel, so one of Abraham's nephews has a child. So he's a great uncle to Rebekah. And as you read, continuing in the story, he's going to become her father-in-law. Yeah, they were kind of like folks in Arkansas. The family tree didn't have many branches at first. But it is the truth. It's what happened. Sarah died at 127 years of age, which means her son, who was born when she was 90, was 37. And she died in Hebron, in the land of Canaan, in the land that God had promised to give them, but it hadn't been fulfilled yet. And he mourned her passing and was weeping. And he stood up and spoke to the sons of Heth, that is, the neighbors there, and said, I am a foreigner, verse 4, I am a foreigner and a visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. It's time to put my wife underground, her body. The sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. Now keep in mind, Abraham was promised all this land, but it hadn't happened yet. He doesn't even have a place to bury his wife. <laughs> and yet he believes this promise that God had given him. It's a generational promise. So he wants a secure burial place, not some grave that's going to get lost somewhere. He stood up, bowed himself to the people of the land, and said, if it is your wish that I bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and meet with Ephron, he had a place chosen, the son of Zohar for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. So God's promised him this land, and here he is having to buy it some. Ephraim dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephraim the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the sons of Heth. He was standing there listening. All who entered the gate of the city, they were sitting there in the gates, that's a gathering place, having this discussion. And he said, no, my Lord, verse 11, hear me. I give you the field and the cave that is in it. I'm going to give you the whole thing. I give it to you in the presence of the sons of my people. I give it to you. Bury your dead. Now, if you've ever bought property, if you go, you'll go through the hassle of having to go through a title company. 
There's a reason for that. Because one day the person who sells it to you is going to die. And here come the kinfolks wanting their piece of the pie. And unless you have a title deed to it, they could take it away from you or at least take you to court and make your life difficult. So Abraham wants to secure this burial place for his wife. He bowed himself down before the people of the land. Verse 13, he spoke to Ephraim in the hearing of the people of the land. So it's in a public meeting. He said, if you will give it, please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me and I will bury my dead there. So he's going to buy, he's going to buy the whole thing, the field and the cave. Ephraim answered Abraham saying to him, my Lord, listen to me. The land is worth, and he shoots out this exorbitant price. It's worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. Abraham doesn't barter with him, try to bring it down. You know, oh, it's not worth that much. He listened to Ephron, and he weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he named in the hearing of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. He paid full price, an exorbitant price. No bartering here. He bought it. It reminds me of before Israel became a nation in our lifetime, or just before I was born, Jews were buying land from the Arabs in Israel at exorbitant prices, sometimes having to buy it twice, because here comes kinfolk, no, it's mine, you know, and, and uh, they were having to do this until the Lord made a way the hearts of the world being broken by World War II made a way for them to become a nation. So here he pays this exorbitant price and does it publicly at the gate of the city. After this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. Here it is today. Abraham was buried there. Ishmael and Isaac, two chapters later, will bury him in the place. Isaac was buried there. Jacob was buried there. It's called the Tomb of the Patriarchs. And I believe it's in the hands of the Muslims. So it's still the place. There's already, you know, people trying to say, no, it's... You had nothing to do with the Jews, had to do with us. But needless to say, it's preserved for the world to see where this story happened. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject of facts about God's promises. We say promises. Promises. Some of these facts are real obvious, some of them not so obvious, but they're important. Keep in mind, this is the first book of the Bible being written while the children of Israel are journeying through the wilderness to the promised land, Moses, by revelation and by passing down of their history from forefathers, this book is being written. And so they're learning about God's promises, how it functions. So the first fact today is the Lord's promises are always real. Real promises. We've read thus far that God promised Abraham a land. He renewed that promise to his son Isaac. He renewed that promise to his grandson, Jacob. We read this on a previous Sunday in Genesis 12, 1, the first visitation. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your people, and from your father's house to a land. Can we say land? Land that I will show you. 
Verse 6, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Tirbin tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God promised to give this land to his descendants. You know, when your descendants are blessed, you're blessed. You know that? I think we live in such a self-centered culture. I think people could care less if their great-grandkids wind up in jail. Well, our forefathers didn't see that as a good thing. So that's why we want to be an influence on the next generations. Chapter 13, another visitation of the Lord. He said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. We say from now on. They're going to have a land. Verse 17, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So he's worshiping in the land, even though it's not his yet. And it won't be for five centuries or so later that the descendants begin to inherit the land or conquer the land. In chapter 15, when God puts him to sleep and makes his covenant with Abram, he says, to your descendants I have given this land. God calls those things which be not as though they, they are. He calls those things which exist as though they don't. To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt, can we say the Nile, to the great river, the river Euphrates. The Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, here he is buying land from the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites, the termites and the bedbug bites. All of it belongs to them. But he doesn't see it yet. But God considers it good as done. To God, 500 years isn't long at all, right? It's just half a day. A day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. All your promises, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1.20, are yes and amen. You can take it to the bank. May not be today on our timeline, but it is on God's timeline. God's promises are never problem-free. Uh-oh. God doesn't like make a promise and like, oops, I didn't see that coming. He knows there's going to be problems. That's why we need his promises, to help us plow through the problems. But we want to make sure they're his promises and not just our imagination or our wishful thinking or some so-called prophet tickling our ears. When he made that covenant with Abram and put him to sleep, he said, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, which would be Egypt, I will judge. Afterward, they will come out with great possessions. Afterward. How long is afterward? 400 years. 
almost half a day to God. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Turns out in this place he had to buy. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. A generation to God in this passage is 100 years. (laughs) They're going to come back here and take possession of this land that I am promising you. The New Testament records Jesus as saying in John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This is a promise. Not just be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, but in the world you will have tribulation. He promised that. You don't have to name it and claim it, blab it, grab it, kill it and chill it and slab it and stab it. It's yours. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Even getting married has a promise. Did you know that? Paul, through Revelation, wrote that promise out. Those who marry will have trouble in the flesh. You know, one lie people are tempted to believe is something that The serpent couldn't tell Adam and his wife. They couldn't be told, you married the wrong person. It's not about who you marry once you're married. It's about who you are in the marriage. Work on yourself. Take care. Third point, God's promises are always made in advance. Duh! If it's today, there's no need to promise, right? Son, here's a car. You promise? No. It's already yours. I promise you get to keep it. So God's promises are made in advance. He has foresight. He has foreknowledge. He thinks way ahead of us. His son Jesus, the word of God that was made flesh, was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. We celebrate Christmas, but it was already in God's mind before the world even began. This is God for knowledge. He's not Santa Claus. He doesn't exist just to make you happy. He exists to fulfill his kingdom purposes. You may not be happy about it, but you will in the long run. In the meantime, there is joy for us to walk in. I'm so Glad we sang that last song when we did. That was powerful. In Hebrews 11, talking about Abraham, in verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. How would he receive it? Through his children. When our kids are blessed, we're blessed. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You ever feel like that? I don't know what's going on. Are you obeying God? Be sure you are. And stay humble. And do the next thing he tells you to do. And then do the next thing he tells you to do. And then do the next thing he tells you to do. Maybe you stop doing what God told you to do. And you're in a holding pattern. Well, have you done what he told you? Do it. By faith, verse 9, he dwelt in the land of promise. It was a land of promise, but it wasn't his land yet. In real time. As in a foreign country, dwelling in tents 
with Isaac and Jacob. The same thing was true for his son and grandson. The heirs with him of the same promise. It was just a promise. What is the name of that land? The promised land. Now it's the possessed land. But for centuries it was the promised land. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He didn't have his eyes on the temporal blessing that was promised him. He had his eyes on the kingdom of heaven. And when he died, he went to paradise. When Jesus talked about the rich man and Lazarus when they died, the the poor man, Lazarus, went to the place called the lap or the bosom of Abraham. That's ultimately what Abraham was looking for. I know there's things in the earth that God has promised us that maybe our children will walk in more than we walk in. But ultimately, we're going somewhere better than this. Amen? And some of us get to go home earlier than others. This is the land of Israel today. It's full borders today. I know there's some areas of dispute, but this is theirs. They're possessing it. Well, I thought the Palestinians were possessing stuff. Trust me, they got them contained. So some areas of this are not as peaceful as other areas, I'll put it that way. Now, God had told them through his prophets when they did possess it that if they were not faithful to them, he would remove them from it. I promise this to you, but the condition of keeping the promise is faithfulness. Maybe you walked in a fulfillment of God's promise in your life and you weren't faithful and you lost it. Well, he also promised if you will repent, a corporate promise, I'll return you to the land. And he's done it to them twice. And they're possessing the land. And yet there's even a greater promise than this that they have yet to fully walk in. And this blows the mind of the world. It is so politically incorrect. It is ridiculous. And Israel, on one of their coins, I think the shekel has this map on the back of it. It's called Greater Israel. This is what they were promised from the Nile River to the Euphrates. Reckon if they just started taking stuff, it would start World War III? There's some things that God has to do in our lives in the fulfilling of his promises. Do you know that's true? If you try to just do it in the flesh, it's going to cause heartache. Abraham tried with the servant Hagar and fathered a son named Ishmael. How did that work out? There's a lesson in that for all of us. Why did he do that? He's trying to fulfill that which was absolutely impossible unless God did it. Because he was blessed, we're stuck with Ishmael. And Ishmael is blessed as well. They're descendants of Abraham. But the promise was Isaac, through whom the Messiah would come and bring promises to the world. Maybe God has promised you something. Maybe he's promised you ministry or business or whatever. And if you just go out and become a crook and make things happen because God promised you, that is not the fulfillment of the promise. That is a work of the flesh and will not be blessed and will take you back to ground zero and start over again. 
I know that by experience. All right, let's move right on. God's promises are never just for us. It wasn't just for Abraham and Sarah. It was for their descendants. And ultimately, it was for the world. Because Jesus would come through their family. What an honor to be in the family tree of Jesus. Psalm 105, David wrote, For he remembered, God remembered his holy promise. He remembered Abraham, his servant. And so he brought out his people with joy. He brought them out of slavery in Egypt. His chosen ones with rejoicing. And he gave to them the lands of the nations. And they inherited the labor of the peoples so that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise Yah. That's one of Yahweh's names. That's Yahweh shortened to Yah. Praise God. He remembered the promise he made to Abraham. Why are the Jews the chosen people? God made a deal with their forefather Abraham. And to break that deal makes God a liar. So God holds himself to his word. In Acts 2.39, dealing with another promise, the promise of salvation, he said the promise is to you, Peter's preaching, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So the promise of kingdom citizenship is given to us, but also to our kids. Well, I'm going to let my child grow up and make up his mind or her mind whether or not she wants to go to church. Children need parents to teach them the way to go. Parents are letting their kids make up their minds now whether or not they're a boy or a girl. How dumb can you get and still breathe? It's just dumb. And we, we, we claim to be so devoted to science. I'm not saying people don't have hurts and wounds and they hate themselves and they want to be something God didn't make them to be and they don't need help. I don't mean to sound cruel, but parents, we are to guide our children. Amen? So don't dress up your little boys as little girls and laugh about how cute he is. Just move right on and help his identity be formed in the image that God created him to be. God's promises are never just for us. This point was driven home to me this week. Yvette and I, Sunday night, flew to this freezing cold city called Moline, Illinois, part of the Quad Cities on the other side of the Mississippi Moline and Rock Island, Illinois, the home of Rock Island, which is an armory for the First Army, which is training ground for the reserve. And across the Mississippi River is Bettendorf, Iowa, and Davenport, Iowa. My grandfather pastored there years ago, Thomas Milton and Lola Lorene Latta. Thomas was born with birthmarks on his face was not an attractive man. He got saved. He never let it stop him. Pastored small churches all over the place. Mississippi, Arkansas, Moline, Illinois. He pastored in this place. It's still there today. His family lived on the second floor. The doorway on the right goes to a stairway that goes up to the second floor where he lived with his son, my dad, and three daughters. High school ages. 
The auditorium was the middle door, the left door between uh, picture windows. You could look in and see the little auditorium. While a boy in that congregation, God called my dad to be a missionary to Africa. He just suddenly fell in love with the concept of him going to Africa, being a missionary. But before that happened, my dad, through a long series of events, eventually became the pastor of this congregation. At the time, they were meeting on a second floor above a bakery. You talk about going to church hungry. It's hard, right? Imagine us having a bakery below us and the aroma, not the fumes, the aroma coming up, just tormenting us. And while there... We moved into this house that's still there. At the time, it was much smaller. It was a three-room house with a path. Three rooms and a path. And over the years, it's had a couple additions to it, so now it's bigger. While living in this house, my father and the congregation built their first building. It was their first church building that they owned, his first church building to build is still there today. To my amazement, it looked like new. Another congregation was there. The congregation that had been meeting there outgrew it and built buildings elsewhere and sold it years ago. Now, this place began to be built in 1961, so it's almost 60 years old, but it looks brand new. While living in this house, the Lord prepared us for the mission field. We got the whooping cough, the measles, the mumps. I was the eldest of four kids. Uh, the three-day measles. All sorts of stuff happened within the years that we were living there. And when we wound up to Africa, we had a couple bouts with malaria. That was it. And every place we lived at in Africa was much nicer than this place. So if you're in a tough place, God could be preparing you for the next place where you'll really be happy. So learn to be happy where you are. When we went to Africa as missionaries, my dad's cousin, Wayne Mitchell, I called him Uncle Wayne, became the pastor. The church was called Whole Truth Tabernacle. So Yvette and I this week, after the funeral, went by this place. It's now called the Glory of God Assembly. No one was there, walked around the place, just amazed at how good a shape it was in. Here's a cornerstone, 1946 when the church began, and sometime later is when my grandfather became the pastor, and 1961 is when they built the place. The next day we went by and got to see the place. It's like new inside. It was just, just amazing. And I got to meet the pastor, Pastor Kwame from Togo. Are you ready for your mind to be blown? It is home for the last year and a half to an African congregation in Moline, Illinois. Boom. Which means every church my dad ever built, and he built several over his lifetime, starting with this one, every church he ever built was ultimately for people of African descent. Amazing. So God's promises are never just for us. Moline Pentecostal Church built Whole Truth Tabernacle just for them, but ultimately it would be for where my father was called to serve, Africa. Next point, obtaining our God-given promises will require faith, patience, and endurance. 
If somebody talked you into making Jesus Lord of your life because you weren't going to have any more problems, because Jesus would be Lord of all your problems, they lied to you. You will have problems. But if Jesus is your Lord, then he is the Lord of all your problems. Cast your cares on him. Let him worry about stuff. Jesus, I don't know what you're going to do about that, but I just need for you to tell me what to do. We desire that each of you, Hebrews 6 says, show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This was Abraham. Verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. He made an oath based on his own existence, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Well, didn't he die before the promise was fulfilled? Well, when we die, we don't cease to exist. There was the place of consciousness called Abraham's bosom, right? So as people began to come home, he would receive word. Hey, we got the promised land finally, you know. He was blessed. Obtaining all our God-given promises requires faith, patience, and endurance. His promises, God's promises, can have a purifying effect. They'll make you pray. There's nothing like getting your hopes up and then being disappointed, tempted to become angry, mad at God, giving up. But what is the alternative we have other than to trust the Lord, right? So in this process, our lives are purified. We pray. Cleanses us. 2 Peter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything we need he's given to us through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly, we say exceedingly, great and precious promises. Not just precious, but great and precious. Not just great and precious, but exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You're wrestling with lust? Get a hold of God's promises, and they will cleanse your life. They'll make you pray the exceedingly great promises that your, your mind can't really get a hold of, but you believe in your heart, you will deal with those temptations. Let me share an illustration. Let's say a young man is at the airport with a ticket to go marry the girl of his dreams. But he's hungry. So he goes to the food court in the airport. Who's, who's been to the airport food courts? He's waiting on Whataburger. He's ordered his, is there Whataburger at airports? Probably not because they don't start cooking until you get there. So, All right, he's at Chick-fil-A. It's not on a Sunday. He's waiting on his order. And the intercom says, 
flight, let's say he's getting married in Milwaukee. Flight to Milwaukee leaves in two minutes. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. What's he going to do? Is he going to stand there and argue with them? Or is he going to get on that plane? Yes, but I ordered my food. Yes, but the girl of your dreams is waiting at the airport for you when you fly into Milwaukee. What are you going to do? The promise purifies the decision, and you leave behind your $5 order and move forward with the rest of your life. That's what lust is. It's trading that which is very valuable for that which is not. And so the promises keep us focused on what's really important so that our lives aren't cheapened and we're not drugged down into something that's not God's will for us. 1 John says, 3 verse 2, Dear friends, now we are children of God. Whew, now, not sometime in the future, but right now, we're God's children. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Who wants to be like Jesus? Who's looking forward to that day? All who have that desire and that dream and that hope and that promise are not going to allow stuff to creep in and get in the way and cause us to forget it. If you stumble, get back up, ask for forgiveness, and repent and move forward. Get some help if you need to. His promises have a purifying effect. All our God-given promises require faith, patience, and endurance. His promises are never just for us. His promises are always in advance. If they're not, then there's no need for hope in our life. His promises are never problem-free. In the world you have tribulations, but his promises are always real. Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your word would come alive in each of us. That, Lord, as Jeff testified earlier, that you would motivate us to get into your word this year like never before. Let, for each of us personally, 2021 be a year of the Word, a year of reading the Bible, a year of looking for the promises that are for us, a year of learning from the examples of Abraham and the patriarchs as they walk in light of your promises. In Jesus' name, let your Word come alive to us. Amen. What in honor to be to the marriage of the Lamb, to come and worship Him, celebration, it's the joining of the bride and the Son, the two becoming one, all the prophecies
Abraham was ready to buy that cave. God had blessed him. And yet he got more than a cave. He got a field to go with it. He was pursuing the cave, got more than a field. Yeah, but he had to buy it. Yeah, but where did the resources come to buy it? God blessed him. So God gave him that land. In fact, you can study this out in his discourse with Abimelech. Remember when he sinned against Abimelech with a lie? When they reconciled, Abimelech gives him a bunch of stuff, including a thousand pieces of silver. How much did this land cost? 400 shekels. So do the study. Let me know what you think. Did the, were the shekels part of that thousand pieces? I don't know. The point is, God provides. Where he guides, he provides. And he gave him that land, gave more than what he was going for. And God's plan for you hasn't been canceled. It hasn't been failed. 2020 didn't make some kind of change for you. It's all within his plan. Amen. And it's about more than just us. It's about others. Ed Deo has a word for us. Come right on up, brother. All during the service, since the team did this song the first time, I thought getting ready is more than just us getting ready. Getting ready is reaching out to the fields that are white to harvest. That's part of getting ready. And that's part of bringing in the other people that God would like to inherit his promises. Bring them to life, to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Maybe the Lord wants you to use your house to have Bible studies in for your neighbors. Just two or three people. Invite them over. Get into the Word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may you stand on the promises of God. Amen? Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Amen. We're getting ready. Yes. Yes.